0: This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. That very day, the first day of the week, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus, and they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped, looking downcast. One of them named Cleopas said to him in reply, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know of the things that have taken place there in these days? And he replied to them, what sort of things? They said to him, the things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. Some women from our group, however, have astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women had described, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are! How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke! Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on farther. But they urged him, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And as it, and it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that, their eyes were open, and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? So they set out at once and returned to Jerusalem where they found gathered together the 11 and those who were with them who were saying, the Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then the two recounted what had taken place on the way and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Happy Easter. Easter Easter is a 50-day season in the church in which we don't just remember the most important event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus, through which salvation has come into this Sinful fallen world, we also, most of us, are trying to cooperate with the grace of this season. Whether you were baptized at the Easter Vigil or whether you were baptized 84 years ago, when you were baptized, you received the full power of Jesus' resurrection at the depth of your soul. And you are still free to do whatever you want with your life. We all have re- need for the renewal of salvation constantly in our lives. So, during what that turns out to mean, who knows? You can't possibly predict it. What the grace of the Easter season will ultimately do in our lives. The goal is to cooperate with the grace. So, particularly at the beginning of the Easter season, a traditional way of doing that is just to focus on the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus' resurrection 2,000 years ago, simply look at what the people in these accounts say and do to cooperate with the reality of Jesus' resurrection and just try to figure out, can I do similar things, say similar things in my life today in Lawrence to cooperate with the grace of this season? The passage we just heard is familiar, I hope, to many of you. It's from Luke 24. So in this account of the resurrection, it's Easter Sunday. Jesus is crucified, killed, and put in a tomb on Friday. Luke 23 says that the disciples rest on the Sabbath day, Saturday, according to the law. And then on Sunday, these two particular disciples have left Jerusalem and they're headed toward a town called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. One of the two is named Cleopas. I find it interesting that this account is highly realistic. These are real human beings, they have strengths and they have weaknesses just like all of us, so I can relate to them. Strengths include these two people are disciples of Jesus. We don't know the details, but they have changed their lives to some significant extent, and they've been following Jesus. They encounter the risen Jesus on this road to Emmaus, and like a lot of the resurrection accounts, at first, Jesus is not recognized as the risen Jesus. So they say to him, again, a strength, that they have come to believe that this Jesus is a prophet, mighty in word and deed before God and people. They had come to hope that Jesus would be the one to redeem Israel, somehow, probably to free God's people from their occupation by the Romans. So all strength. Strength. They clearly stayed with Jesus when he was killed. They didn't run away. They were there in Jerusalem for the crucifixion. They are devastated, clearly, by the death of Jesus. They are downcast. You can only imagine their position. They have hope that Jesus is somehow going to save the Jewish people, and he's now been killed by his brutal enemies from within their own people and the Romans. So all strengths. There are also weaknesses, just like in you and me. And these aren't criticisms, they're just realistic weaknesses. So they say to the risen Jesus, not recognizing him, that that morning, Easter morning, some of the women from their Jesus' disciples have gone to the tomb, and they have found that the tomb is empty. Jesus is no longer in the tomb. And they've had a vision of angels who have told them that Jesus has risen from the dead. You may recall this, or go home please and just reread Luke 24. When those women go back to the disciples, they think that what the women are saying is nonsense, and they don't believe the women. First time in human history, men have not believed women. When they tell the truth, they do not believe them. They also say that some members of their group have gone to the tomb and have found that it's exactly the way the women describe, but Jesus is not there. So what's the weakness? The weakness is They're leaving Jerusalem. I mean, I presume it's just because they're devastated. They're so hurt deeply in their souls by the killing of Jesus. I mean, why would you leave Jerusalem if there's a possibility that he's been raised from the dead? So weakness. They are headed in the wrong direction. They're going down the wrong road. In fact, they should be back in Jerusalem. How does Jesus approach these people? He completely loves them. Jesus has risen for these people. He's died and risen from the dead for them. He completely loves them with their strengths and their weaknesses. The risen Jesus, unrecognizable at this point, starts walking along with them. He asks them some questions. He does not say, hey, I'm the risen Jesus, you idiots, because they're not idiots, among other things. But he asks some questions. He enters into a conversation with them. He starts teaching them about why it would make sense for God's anointed one to suffer and then to enter into his glory. What Jesus is saying starts burning in their hearts. At the depth of who they are, the truth is beginning to burn in the most positive way. Jesus remains with them. He doesn't just spend a few minutes with them. As they approach Emmaus, he looks as if he's going to continue and they ask him to stay. He stays with them. They go inside and then the ultimate revelation takes place. While they're at table, Jesus, does this sound familiar? Takes bread, blesses it, breaks it, gives it to them, and then they recognize this is the risen Jesus. And If you read this again when you go home, please. He disappears right at the same time. They are able to recognize him. They don't need him to be physically present anymore. Their eyes are opened to the truth of who Jesus is. So what choices did they make in that passage to cooperate with Jesus that you and I can make in our lives to hopefully have the grace of salvation grow in us? I'll give you three brilliant ideas to get you going. You should be able to come up with much more brilliant ideas this week when you spend time with this passage. Brilliant idea number... Wait, what kind of idea is this? Thank you. It's a brilliant idea. Everyone's saying it. Brilliant idea. These are so simple, these choices, but they're profoundly important. These two disciples make the choice to stay together and to talk about what has happened to Jesus. So straightforward, but think about this. Particularly if you've had a terrible thing happen in your life, if someone you love has died and you're devastated, you're downcast, it's a big choice to stay with other people and to talk about God. It is much easier to go out to the garage and smoke some weed. It is much easier more attractive to just go off on my own, to not talk to anybody. They make the choice to stay together and to talk about what has happened with Jesus. By doing that, they have placed themselves in a position where Jesus enters into that relationship, and Jesus begins to speak to the two of them, and Jesus brings out from the two of them the truth and then reveals the truth. That is such a big deal. I hate to say it, but your mother was right. Choosing the people with whom you spend your time and what you do is enormously important. In my life, the people with whom I stay, particularly in bad times, and talk about God are the most important people, whether they are in my family, whether they're people with whom I spend a lot of time or a little time. To make the choice, particularly today, to stay with people and to focus on God in what we're talking about, that's one of the most important means through which salvation grows. So I encourage you to take a look at your life. How much time in the garage with weed? How much time with other people talking about God? Second, straightforward choice they make is they listen to Jesus as he t- unfolds the truth connected with the scripture. These people know the scripture. They're familiar with it. Jesus explains what they don't know, why a Messiah would possibly suffer. People don't, didn't expect a Messiah to suffer. He offers them the truth connected directly with the scripture. If you choose to listen to the teaching of Jesus, which is always connected with the scripture, which comes to us through the church, you are making a profoundly important choice. How would you know the truth if you don't do that? How would it be revealed to you more and more if you don't do that? So who cares what Jesus teaches? Who cares about the Bible? Who cares about spending time trying to grow in this? It's enormously, profoundly important. If that's part of why you got out of bed this morning and came here, blessed are you. Third and final choice they make, and I know you're going to come up with many more when you spend time with this passage, and it's ultimately the most important choice they make by their own account. They choose to be at table with Jesus in the breaking of the bread. I know most of you know this. Luke, who writes this gospel and the Acts of the Apostles, That expression, the breaking of the bread, ultimately is a reference to the Eucharist. They choose, on his invitation, he's the one who does this, to be at table with him when he blesses, breaks, and gives them the bread. It is then that they recognize Jesus. When they go to Jerusalem, they say it's in the breaking of the bread that they come to know him it's in the breaking of the bread that clearly the reality of Easter is entering into them because they go back to Jerusalem. Salvation is somehow entering them. The proof is they go and share the news with other people who need to hear this news. This is so repetitive, but just we have to get this into our heads. If I am like, hey, thank God, Jesus rose from the dead, but I'm not telling other people about it, the grace of salvation is clearly not working through me. Their choice to be with Jesus in the breaking of the bread is the ultimate way that they come to know who he is, that he's risen. The choice you have made to come here today to be part of the breaking of the bread is the single most important choice you will make this week. If you make this choice week after week to be actively, consciously part of the Eucharist, it's the single biggest, most important choice you will make to know Jesus and know him more and know him more. Who you spend your time with and how you spend your time being very, connected with the teaching of Jesus, which is connected with the Scripture, and being part of the breaking of the bread, if you're making those choices, I think salvation is already very alive in you. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.